So if you take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter four, uh, 14, excuse me, John chapter 14, and we will get there momentarily. I'm so grateful for Joey and Molly and what they shared today. Every video has been so rich, and I am with Patrick. I love hearing the different voices of our community as they as they share with us their heart and what God is speaking to them. You know, God speaks to all of us. Uh, he's speaking to you even right now. The question is not whether he's speaking. The question is oftentimes whether we're listening or not. Joey and Molly could have easily preached this sermon, just like Will and Abby could have preached last week's sermon. And all the rest of them could have preached those sermons. But it's great to have a multiplicity of voice as we open God's word and ask him to speak to us. So have you ever had someone just ruin the moment for you? Just um, rob you of all your good feels? I mean, you know, you're upbeat, you're enthused, and they're Debbie Downer. They just douse you with all cold water. Wah, wah. <laughs> I wonder if that's how the disciples felt as they gathered for Passover, having ascended with the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem in a triumphal entry, and having been with him as he cleansed the temple and dealt and confronted the religious elite. As they gathered with him in this Passover meal, they had to be thinking, this was it. He's ready to pull the trigger. I just know that he is ready to overturn the Roman rule and to put things right. This will be the best Passover ever. But Jesus throws cold water on them. In my youth pastor days, I would have picked up that cold water and thrown it on somebody. But I'm not going to do that today. And Joe is very grateful right now. He throws cold water on their enthusiasm. He doesn't dish up the victory they're looking for. He doesn't meet their expectations. He doesn't do things the way they would. First, he sort of embarrasses them by doing the servant thing of washing their feet. He shouldn't be doing that. One of them should be doing that. Why didn't any of them think of that? And then he says that one of them is going to betray him. Man, Jesus, lighten up. Golly, this is supposed to be a happy moment. Talking about betrayal, and deep down each of them are wondering, is it I? Next, Jesus says that he's going away and they can't come. But they are to love each other even as he has loved them. And then finally, he tells Peter, the alpha male, that he's not the devoted follower that he thinks he is. And in fact, in just a few hours, he will deny Jesus three times. So let's recap. This could have been the most significant Passover meal ever. He is missing the golden opportunity to set things right, to change the course of history, to rectify all that was wrong. But instead, he gives them a lesson on serving. He calls out one of them for being a traitor. He says he's leaving and they can't come. 
And he says of his right-hand man, you're a scoundrel and you're about to deny me three times. Like I said, Jesus really knows how to ruin a party. He does not live up to our expectations most of the time. When you think about all that happens in John 13, and by the way, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are all telling you of one night, the night that Jesus was betrayed. It's a fascinating read. I encourage you to do so. In all 13, when you read it, you can understand why his disciples are a little bit confused. They're bewildered. They're troubled. And Jesus knows it, and he addresses it. Look with me at John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way <clears throat> to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> now, let me just clear something up with you right at the outset. When Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, He's not talking about an episode of Fixer Upper. He is not the contractor that's in need or needing to do repairs to the heavenly mansion. It's not like he's engaging a remodel job on the father's house. That's not what he's talking about. Instead, he's preparing a place for them and us by heading to the cross by going to the cross, dying in our place for our sins, laying down his life that we might have life, making a way where there was no way, being the bridge to bring us home to our Father's house. The, the chasm between us and home is sin and death. And no one is more capable, in fact, no one is capable of dealing with it except for Jesus. Only he could prepare a place, a home, and only he is the way home. I love how John Piper puts this. He said, Jesus, this night, goes to purchase our forgiveness and become the way to the Father. He makes our room not only available, but suitable and certain for his redeemed sheep. So let not your hearts be troubled. Trust him. <clears throat> but even as these 12 disciples are troubled on this night for all that they have sensed and it's not going their way and Jesus is provoking them and calling them out and saying they're gonna potentially be a traitor or deny him, all of that is troubling but I promise you it's about to get worse. Their whole world is about to further collapse into chaos. They can't imagine, though he has told them, they can't understand what is about to happen. 
And it is unsettling and unnerving. Their trouble is about to grow far worse. And throughout his time with them, leading right up to this one night and including this night, he has been warning them and praying for them and encouraging them to trust God. And it culminates in this one phrase. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. When, when you follow Jesus, if you haven't figured this out yet, there's going to come a point when you have to believe without proof and accept without understanding. It's called faith. You're going to be required to actually not understand and to not be clear and to not know what's going on and yet still believe in him. Believe Jesus. You're not going to just be required to do that once. <laughs> You're going to be required to do that a whole lot of times. When nothing makes sense and everything is unsettled, that's when we must hear as his disciples, Jesus speak to our troubled hearts and say to us, believe in me, believe God and believe in me also. Now, this still leads to some confusion among them, as we know. I mean, we've just read the verses. There's at least one, and probably all of them, that are uncertain about what he's saying. And, and they're disconcerted. And so Thomas, good old Thomas, the doubter, the skeptic, he, he has to know more. And, and so he is just too factually based to have all this vagueness and be certain about that. And so he needs the assurance and he wants to get an answer. <laughs> now, let's not be too hard on Thomas because he's really doing all of them a big favor. He's asking the very thing they all want to ask, but he's the one that has the courage to do so. And he shows us how we are to handle our own doubts. Thank you, Thomas. I'm sorry I've called you Doubting Thomas for so long. Signed, Doubting Chris. I'm sorry I've seen you as the skeptic for so long. Signed, the skeptic. You see, we are quick to ridicule Peter for denying him, for Thomas for doubting him, and all the rest of them for falling away. We wouldn't have done any better. We typically don't. And so Thomas actually points out to us how we're to handle our doubts. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for showing us that we don't have to hide in our doubts. We can actually come to Jesus and be open with them. He knows already. It's not like he doesn't know. And so us admitting it and being honest about it allows for him not just to hear us complain, but it allows for him to change our heart. And that's what we need. When Jesus said to them, I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That is the greatest assurance we can have in Jesus. I want you to hear that. He's saying that to you. He's gone to prepare a place for you. It's the cross. 
It's the substitutionary atonement. It's the way for you to come into God's presence, to be in the Father's house, and he is coming again so that we can always be with him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's not over. But Thomas doesn't get it because Jesus goes on to say, and you know where I am going. And Thomas is like, yeah, but no, we don't. No, I don't think so. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And when I read those words by Thomas, I hear my own voice. Lord, we don't know where you're going. Lord, we don't know what you're doing. Lord, we don't know why you're doing it. Lord, we don't even hardly know where you are. How can we know the way? Jesus says to Thomas and to Chris and to Joe and to Sharon and to Judith and to Phyllis and to every one of us, Louie and Christina and Tiago, right? All of us. He says, I am the way. I don't give you the roadmap to get to where you're going. I am the way. I don't give you a list of facts to prove your argument. I am the truth. I don't give you a set of experiences to justify your existence. I am your life. Joey articulated this so well. It's a relational thing that we don't just get the thing we get the one who gives the thing. We get the way. We don't just get to receive it. We get the truth. We don't just get a set of facts. We get life. We don't just get to hear about it or watch it. He is all that we need. Now, as I think about this story, I can't think but help I can't help but think about all the things that are going on in our world today. Someone said that uh, 2020 is the longest decade of our lifetime. <laughs> and I feel like this last week has been the long longest year of my lifetime. But quite frankly, I think every week has been. It's just been crazy. Raging pandemic, financial uncertainty, Social injustice, a fractious election, probably, I'm careful to say it's the worst in history, but probably. A strung out election? There's so much that leads to us being troubled, isn't there? There's so much that can trouble even followers of Jesus. Yesterday's election news may have caused you to despair. And then again, it may have caused you to rejoice. I'll remind us all that we have not un unanimous consent with among us as to what we see and what we voted for, who we voted for, and what we believe in God. So I, I'm just encouraging us all to be sensitive to one another. To those of you who are troubled this morning, I see you. God sees you. He understands. And to those of us who are rejoicing this morning, I see you. God sees you. 
God understands. But my hope is that we will not be divided in our allegiance towards a political party more than our allegiance towards Jesus. He is the Lord. And our allegiance to one another. We are to love one another as he has loved us. We're not to judge one another. We looked at that a few weeks ago. That that's not our job. We're not to stumble into that. But we're to love each other as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That is the priority. And before we go lob divisive comments or tweet snarky memes or brutalize one another with our political opinions, let's remember who we are and whose we are. Jesus is Lord. I'll say it again. Jesus is Lord. And he is sitting on the throne in the midst of this election, just like he did in the last and everyone before that. And just like he will if we have another. And if we don't, his kingdom will still be increasing. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. <clears throat> and so we can put our confidence in that, not in what we have as a nation. I'm grateful for our nation, and I believe God has used us to send people like, um, I've just missed your name, I'm sorry. That's right, Gabby and Hudson, thank you, sorry. To send people like them into the mission field. I think that's one of the chief reasons why God has blessed our nation. And the time that we stop doing that, he might stop blessing it. But the point is, is that Jesus is Lord and he, Daniel says, controls the course of world events. And he puts up kings and presidents and he puts down kings and presidents. No matter our politics, we must fix our eyes on Jesus and hear him say to our troubled hearts, believe me, believe God. And believe also in me. Listen to Jesus telling you that right where you are. If you're troubled today about this or anything else, hear Jesus' words. Believe in God. Believe also in him. We must remember that we are exiles here on planet Earth. This is not our home. We are a people for Christ's own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and brought us into marvelous light. And we are his ambassadors, not his henchmen. We are called to share the gospel of the kingdom, not beat people up with it. We are called to love those with whom we disagree. We are called maybe to the very ones that oppose us in this life. God has called us to love them, and to maybe reach them. Let us pray as scripture instructs us for our leaders, and I do pray for them. I hope you do. And I don't pray for them with an agenda. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Am I, am I speaking to anybody here? You know, where you think you know what they need, and so you pray like you're giving an order to God for a takeout menu. No, we don't pray according to our wisdom, but according to his. So let us pray for our leaders, regardless of who they are and whether we voted for them or not. 
and work for the flourishing of our city and nation so that we may live peaceable lives, that the kingdom of God can go out from among us. And as I've said before, we must see our chief responsibility as the impractical obedience of loving our neighbor and our enemies, of praying for those who persecute us, of going the extra mile, of turning the extra cheek, not extra, turning the other cheek. <laughs> if you have extra cheeks, that's dangerous. I have jokes right now, I just cannot even go there. It's just, <clears throat> get thee behind me, Satan. Get, okay. <clears throat> the impractical obedience of caring for the least of these of forgiving 70 times seven, of, of denying ourselves, of preferring others, of doing justice, of loving mercy, of walking humbly with our God. And we must not think that winning an election is our chief responsibility before the Lord. And losing an election will not end his purpose. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I love the hymn. Brother John loved this hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. When you're not sure which way to go, Remember, he is the way. When you're not sure which facts to believe, remember, he is the truth. When you're searching for meaning in your existence, remember, he is our life. And remember these words that Jesus spoke to them and speaks to us whenever we are troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Amen. Donna. I want to read a few words from a song by Witness Lee, who is the person who took over a Watchman Nee's work um, at the end of his ministry. These are translated from another language, so it doesn't rhyme or anything, so don't be weirded out by that. Christ is the hope of glory. He is my very life. He has regenerated and saturated me. He comes to change me by his subduing might. He comes to apply his redemption. Christ is the hope of glory. He is God's mystery. He shares with me God's fullness and brings God into me. Christ is the hope of glory and from death he sets me free. Christ is the hope of glory. He is my history. His life is my experience. He comes to bring me into his glorious liberty 
and unity with him. Father, we acknowledge that you, the Godhead in bodily form, Jesus, you are our only way. You are the whole truth, and you are the very life. And we receive all that you are, that you would make your home in us. Yes, Lord. That you would drive out anything that cannot coexist with you. Mm. That you would take over all of us, our thoughts, our hopes, our preferences, all of it, Lord. That we would be wholly yours. Mm. And that you would so move in us that our will would become your will that we would be fruitful and obedient and daily partake of your divine nature through the wonderful exchange where we get to lay our junk on the table and walk away with patience and kindness and brotherly love. Yes. Make it true of us, Lord, that we would be your ambassadors of reconciliation. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you that you have made a way for us. And uh, your promise for those disciples, those early disciples, it's, it's for us too. You went to prepare a place in your Father's house. And you went to the cross so that we could join you there. And you're coming again and we'll be with you. And when we have lost our way, remind us that you are the way. Yes, and when we have get, gotten lost in our facts... Remind us that you are the truth. And when we have fritted away our lives, remind us of your abundant Zoe life that you invite us into. Wouldn't it be just like God that he would take us from various tribes, cultures, languages, nations, belief systems, political perspectives, and bring us all into the household of faith because every tribe and every tongue is going to worship Jesus one day. And we are a representation of that today. The unity in what unifies us is not unanimous decision. It is the spirit of unity that comes from the Holy Spirit among us, in us, working through us. I pray that you'll make us light in the midst of the darkness these days. I pray that you'll give us hope that we will not despair. We will have hope because Jesus is the Lord. And I pray that you'll make us witnesses, ambassadors of the kingdom of God, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of your kingdom to all those around us. May we do the work of evangelism and great commission work even greater than we were concerned about an election. May we have tenacity. May we be ferocious in going forth in the power of God, declaring Jesus Christ is king and he's come to save all those who would accept him. Help us as a community, Lord, to be that kind of community of hope and light and peace and encouragement. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.